It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 272 for December 18th, 2011. This week, Carrier IQ, Apple in Grand Central, Whiners, and the proposed texting ban, along with short circuits. You have to wonder about Carrier IQ. Is it a hero, a villain, or just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Owners of Android smartphones were astonished to learn that an application they knew nothing about is running on their phones. This application by Carrier IQ is hidden from users of the phones. It collects and sends a lot of information to the phone's service provider, Sprint, T-Mobile, AT&T, and others. The thing is, though, it doesn't ever let the user of the phone know. So Carrier IQ is clearly a villain here, right? Well, maybe it's not quite that simple. Like most tools, Carrier IQ isn't evil any more than hammers, automobiles, and guns are inherently evil. Hammers are essential in building homes, but they can be used to kill people. Similar cases can be made for cars and guns, and for Carrier IQ. The villains here are the carriers who purchased the technology and installed it on their customers' phones without either permission or knowledge of those customers. I see a class action lawsuit lurking in the wings. Class action lawsuits are seriously flawed and I don't care much for them because the injured parties usually get something like a $10 credit on some future service while the law firm that filed the suit makes millions. But the class action lawsuit does at least provide some significant pain for the party that caused the problem. Actually, the ambulance chasers are a little bit ahead of me. After writing that previous paragraph, I used Google to check it out and found that several class action lawsuits already have been filed. Among the companies named, Apple, Carrier IQ, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, HTC, and Samsung. The carriers say the software is used only for network diagnostics and perhaps scrambling for a shield. Manufacturers say they added Carrier IQ only because the carriers asked them to. Research in Motion, RIM, the BlackBerry folks, are providing instructions to users who want to remove Carrier IQ from their phones. RIM says the application shouldn't be there, that it did not install Carrier IQ, and that it gave no one permission to add it to the devices. But it's there on some RIM devices. The instructions from RIM show that Carrier IQ software was installed on Android phones from T-Mobile. AT&T and Sprint have admitted using Carrier IQ. Verizon denies using the application. <laughs> Apple's brand new store at New York City's Grand Central Terminal is open. There was already a store on 5th Avenue at 59th Street and another on the Upper West Side. But now commuters can easily stop at the Apple store with the classiest chandeliers. It's times like these that I wish I was in New York more often. We'll have to make do with some borrowed images on this week's TechBiter Worldwide. You'll find those borrowed images and credit for them on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The new Apple store in Grand Central Terminal is a on a balcony, one flight up from the main floor. And when you take a look at the pictures, note the chandeliers. They've been there for a long, long time, but they rate a wow all by themselves. The windows you see on the left of the image include glass walkways that connect the offices that are on the north side with offices on the south side of the upper floors. 
Those windows had actually been painted over with black paint during World War II, and the paint wasn't removed until about a decade ago. It's hard to imagine a classier location for an Apple store. Even the store on 5th at 59th pales by comparison, and the Genius Bar is reported to have more than 300 employees. Before the Apple store at Grand Central opened, black barriers blocked access. But the display cleverly mimicked the arrival departure boards at Grand Central. I really wish I'd been able to provide my own pictures to illustrate the new store, because Grand Central Terminal is one of my favorite locations. CBS used to have studios in Grand Central, and the rumbling and vibration of trains caused problems for early video cameras. CBS eventually left Grand Central Terminal and moved to BlackRock. Now the former studios are tennis courts. But once again, as is usual on TechBiter Worldwide, I digress just a bit. This is actually Apple's fifth store in Manhattan and joins about 300 stores around the world as places where Apple fans can congregate, commiserate, and spend money. If you're in Columbus and you hanker for an Apple store, take a trip to Easton or Polaris. Yes, Columbus is the only Ohio city with more than one Apple store. If you're listening to the program from some other location and you'd like to find the store closest to you, uh, there's a link to the Apple retail store list on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. The store is large by Apple's or anybody else's standards at 23,000 square feet. Lots of tables where prospective buyers can play and two genius bars for technical support. Because this store is located in one of the world's busiest transportation hubs, the Apple Store offers 15-minute express classes on Apple products. <sighs> you know, this almost makes me wish I was an Apple fanboy. Have you noticed that some people just like to whine? I'm not particularly interested in listening to them, nor I suspect are most other people. Here's the link to technology. Some say that Microsoft Word is badly designed. The same is true, of course, for PowerPoint, Photoshop, although perhaps by a fewer number, and even in design. No matter what program you make, somebody will complain about it, and somebody will say it's the worst thing they've ever seen. I've been around the software business long enough to know that no program is ever perfect but that those who take the time to learn how to use the tools spend a lot less time complaining about them and spend a lot more time being happy. If you've encountered the adage that the poor craftsman blames the tools, you'll know what I think about all this. Some people just want to do nothing more than whine. Online services don't have a lot of patience with those people. On the other hand, those who do have a problem and describe it along these lines a certain program did something, and I can't figure out how to make it do something else instead. Those kind of people are generally welcomed. I've been there. I've done that. I didn't get a t-shirt, but I did get an answer. Don't let your frustration take over. I once posted what I thought was a reasonable and perhaps funny explanation of a problem I was facing with a Microsoft website. I was just a little too cute, and the cuteness was unfortunately misunderstood. Fortunately, a longtime subscriber to that particular discussion list described his confusion to me. I then posted a revised question that omitted the smart-ass commentary that I thought people might enjoy. Those who read the question then understood what my problem was, replied with helpful information, and allowed me to solve the problem. So, when you're looking for an answer to a question about something your software is doing, something that perplexes you, maybe it's important to ask yourself if your goal is to whine and annoy the very people who can help you or to resolve the problem. <laughs>
SodaHead, the self-described web's largest opinion-based community, says most respondents to one of its surveys says the National Transportation Safety Board had the right answer when it recommended banning cell phone use by drivers. The NTSB's recommendation follows a wreck in Missouri in August. A 19-year-old who was driving sent 11 text messages in 11 minutes. As he was sending his 12th message, he failed to notice that a truck in front of him had slowed in a construction zone. He was killed when he hit the truck. Two school buses were involved in the wreck. A 15-year-old student also died. Nearly 40 were injured. It's difficult to legislate intelligence, but a federal ban on using cell phones or texting while operating a motor vehicle would at least make the rules consistent nationally and would possibly give police better tools to use to remove fools from the road. According to SodaHead, 56% of respondents agree with the NTSB and support the ban. 44% do not. This is based on 1,057 responses. SodaHead surveys are as unscientific, though, as those silly question-of-the-day surveys you hear on radio and TV stations. As any legitimate polling organization will explain, surveys in which the respondents select themselves cannot provide reliable results. There is an attempt to provide a veneer of legitimacy by listing results based on sex, which SodaHead calls gender, they also rank by age, religion, politics, marital status, number of children, zodiac sign. Zodiac sign? Really? Come on. Education, employment status, and more. Even height and weight. After people respond to the question, they're free to provide their own commentary and insults, and they do. Posts quickly devolve into insults and personal attacks. As for the proposed rule, it's certainly well-intentioned, but you can't easily, as I've already noted, legislate intelligence. I've seen people driving and putting on makeup, driving and reading a book, driving and reading a newspaper. To say any of these is an utterly stupid action is to state the obvious. But wouldn't any of these actions be considered reckless operation already? How does an extra bit of rulemaking fundamentally change things? In short circuits... After more than 10 years, the XXX top-level domain is available. Advocates of XXX say it'll be easier for parents and employers to block the entire top-level domain. Those who are opposed say that creating the top-level domain legitimizes pornography. You know, every new technology has been used for pornography. It's not going to go away anytime soon. There is no requirement that providers of explicit content use the top-level domain XXX. Sexually explicit material will still be commonplace in other domains, .com, for example. So the XXX domain appears to be nothing more than a moneymaker for the registrars. There's also concern that existence of the XXX top-level domain will lead to legislation making its use mandatory for sexually explicit material. The problem with that is that determining what is sexually explicit is a bit of a problem. Free speech rights and jurisdiction would then become big concerns. This whole thing isn't new. The XXX top-level domain was first proposed in 2000 by ICM Registry, resubmitted in 2004. It has faced strong opposition from politicians and conservative groups and people who run pornography sites. <laughs> Amazon continues its Kindle Fire Sale. Oh, wait, maybe that should be Amazon continues the Kindle Fire 
fire sale. After all, Amazon is selling the things for less than it costs to make them, and they're doing so at the rate of about one million per week. The number was large enough that Amazon has broken its own rules about never revealing sales figures. There have been some negative reviews of the device, lots of them actually, so the boast may be a marketing and PR reaction to that. The Fire doesn't have a microphone. Most other tablets do. The Fire doesn't have a camera. Well, even low-cost cell phones have cameras these days. But the Fire's selling price is $100 or more lower than competing devices that have microphones and cameras built in. 2012 is shaping up to be the year of the tablet, with Apple's iPad, Amazon's Kindle Fire, Google's Android-powered tablets from various manufacturers, and the forthcoming spate of tablets that will be running a mobile version of Windows 8. So, here's my suggestion. Take a couple of tablets and call me in the morning. In 1965, the Beatles made a movie called Help. In 1980, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd made a movie called Blues Brothers. I'm not sure there's any relationship between the two movies, but hang in there for a bit and I'll see what I can do. It might be easier to create a technology angle, so I'll try that first. Both of these were available from Netflix. I watched them both the same weekend. Two of the Beatles are dead, John Lennon to an assassin and Paul McCartney to cancer, as is Belushi to drugs, but that's not the connection I'm looking for. Watching Help is somewhat like watching movies made by the Marx Brothers. Chico, Harpo, Groucho, and to a lesser extent, Gummo and Zeppo are simply frozen in time. So it is with the Beatles and with Belushi and Aykroyd. Technology does that. Groucho was still the young smartass even in 1977 when at the age of 96 he died. Now to say that Help was a great movie would be the equivalent of saying George W. Bush was a great president. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. To say the Blues Brothers was a great movie would be, well, never mind. Even considering 1965 production values, Help wasn't a very good film. But the Beatles were really hot, and anything that had their name attached to it was bound to be a hit. A key phrase from the film, He Who Wears the Ring, predates Lord of the Rings, the movie anyway, although not the book. And in the Blues Brothers, Jake and Elwood visited the Penguin and got their band back together to raise money for the orphanage. Having come so far down this particular road that there really is no return, the only technology angle I can think of is to be thankful for the ability to view some of these old films, even the ones that aren't exactly masterpieces of the art. It has been several years, though, since I watched anything on broadcast or cable television, at least regularly. And I can't say that I miss either one. I attended a Habitat for Humanity dedication the morning of December 10th and took a camera along. There is really no technology angle to this particular note, except that the house was built to be both green and economical. The pictures I took would be meaningless to you unless you know the people, but the joy was evident. You'll find a link to the pictures on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Habitat builds affordable, quality homes. It's a hand up, not a hand out. And that seems to be a good way to end the year. TechBiter takes next week off, the week of Christmas, but will return with a slightly new look on the 1st of January, 2012. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.